So three years ago, it was just the two of us and 50 clients, and we've just gone over a £1 million valuation and 750 clients. James, I think business owners are finding accountants on Instagram. This is Rachel's favourite story, because I said I think that's a really bad idea what the client <laughs> would want to find an accountant on Instagram. Instagram is where you like look at cats and things. We made the mistake of hiring based on technical ability quality like turnaround time but not on values at all the difference between having a business and having just a really well-paid self-employed job is can you remove yourself from the business and still make money the hardest thing is realizing it doesn't have to be you our roles have gone from how can we do the most to how can we have the most impact and that's changed things rapidly scaling a business means rapidly scaling yourself Welcome to Starting the Conversation. You're listening to episode number 258 of the podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benham, joined for part two by who I have now coined is the accountancy power couple. <laughs> we have James Harris, Rachel Harris behind Accountant She, Strive X, very, very impressive accountancy company and personal brand that you've both built. Last week, we talked all about kind of financial well-being, good kind of practices when managing your finances, building wealth. And then today we're going to dive a bit more into your personal story, which I'm so excited for. So welcome back. Thanks for coming. Thanks for staying sat on the sofa for this uh, second recording. There is so much I think that we can dive into in terms of the behind the scenes of what you've built. You guys have a remarkable, I was going to say business, but you have multiple businesses. Every time I see you, Rachel, you're like, oh yeah, we've got another this and that and that. And I'm like, I genuinely can't keep up um so to give people a bit of context before we kind of go backwards quick intro to kind of what you guys have built and and what you know strivex and accountant she is would love to so we are the co-founders of one of the uk's fastest scaling accountancy practices so three years ago it was just the two of us on our dining room table uh, with an idea and 50 clients and we've just gone over a one million pound valuation got 17 full-time members of staff and 750 clients so that's drivex accounting i feel tired hearing those oh numbers. yes and you our hair hasn't fallen numbers. out yeah yeah so we've got drivex incredible accounting we've got strivex mortgages which is where we specialize in supporting self-employed people to get the mortgages that they deserve mm-hmm. so you can stop scrolling on zoopla and start buying houses we've got strivex audit strivex consulting strivex hr and then i also have accountant she which is the online safe place that i needed at different points in my journey so becoming an accountant starting a practice and becoming a business owner so i create long and short form free accessible consumable content to people who need it the most that's incredible. You guys do so much. And we got married somewhere in between that. <laughs> How old are you both? I don't think I even know this. I just have a guess. Oh, yeah. No, oh, don't play that game. <laughs> I just turned 30. 32. He has like spring chickens. <laughs> There's also a teetotal, which I feel decreases our age by five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like the op- most people would be like, oh, yeah, run really intense businesses. Alcohol is. Yeah, I drink a lot. I feel like it goes one of two ways, isn't it? Yeah. No one's in the middle. We're addicted yeah. to the business, not alcohol. That's nice. basically the tagline. I mean, where to begin is the question that I'm asking myself right now. Um, let's talk a bit about the early days of the business. James, it began just you. Yeah. And then Rachel, you came into the mix. Yeah. One of the things that I notice a lot is that people, when they see businesses externally, assume that what they see now is the way it's always been. So people might look at the two of you and go, you know, 16 team members, so many different brands, big engaged online presence, profitable, like million pound valuation. And they go, oh my God, you guys are so lucky. Well done. It's always been this way. (laughs) James, do you want to shed a bit of light on the, the early days that perhaps people don't always see? Yeah, it's pretty hard work, wasn't it, to start with? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. I, when I started the business, and because this is what we touched on last last time, 
in order to fund the business I was contracting in the day. We have to talk about the fact that you didn't mean to go into business on your own. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you an accidental business owner? Yeah. Kind of. So I had a really good, I had a really good career uh, for a top 75 firm in Oxford. I was having monthly meetings with the directors. They wanted me to be the future director and all this sort of stuff. And so that was all really exciting. But because it was such a big firm and they were, they'd been going for over 100 years, everything was quite old-fashioned and there was a lot of people politics. And so I had an opportunity where we had a client and this client also had another accountant that did their bookkeeping. And this chap was, he was in his sort of early 60s looking to retire. And he approached me and he said, would you like to take over the business? I was like, oh, I haven't thought about this. Is this something that I could do? Long story short, I said yes. I gave up my career. We moved. We moved house, house 50 miles. to be closer. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then within two and a half months, this bloke changed his mind. <laughs> he basically said, like, I wanted to wind down into retirement and you are way too enthusiastic. <laughs> he had two and a half months of me and thought this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But what is really important, I guess we'll come back to it later, is James made a business plan. James said, like, this is what I think I can do in the next five years. Mm. And he said... He said that's completely unachievable. It's not going to happen. You can tell where this is going, can't you? What I ended up doing was quickly finding a contract role. And that was really lucrative. I was making lots of money doing that because I didn't realise my value in in the industry at that time being a qualified accountant with, with management management experience. It had quite a good value. And so I was enjoying contracting and that gave me the headspace and the time to start finding clients. And then eventually I had enough clients that I could go full-time by myself. Mm. And then about six months after being by myself, Rachel came to me and she said, I've got a really good idea. I've got a really good idea and I hate my job. <laughs> That's the perfect combination for the beginning of a business, no? A hundred percent. Equal excitement and hate yeah. equals, you know, action. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. And at this point, I was like, well, I'm, I'm making lots of money now and I don't really want you to lose all of your money. So <laughs> I don't really yeah, want you to Yeah, not only is your income going to half, but a household income is also going to lose your salary. James is like, I've built this little thing for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't get in on this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Literally. And I started an MBA. So I'd always just thought I'm an accountant. And being an accountant is like a full stop in a sentence. Mm. If you say you're an accountant, you don't get asked follow-up questions. You normally just get like a sympathetic look from people. I had someone once go, oh, you work in a bank then? It's like, no, it's different. Accountant. Doing this MBA, which is a master's in business, like took the blinkers off me. And it made me think, I think I've become an accountant because I love people, I love helping people, and I love numbers. Yeah. And so actually, maybe I could run a business. Um, so six months into my MBA, we'd just taken out a mortgage. I literally remember crying on our bed and saying to James, like, I promise I'll find clients. I'll find enough clients to cover my salary. I'll join a networking group and I'd like, can we give it a go? Do you like begged your way into the business? Yeah, literally. literally. No, no. You were crying more because you hated your job. I was crying because I hated my job, not because I was <laughs> like, please hire me. <laughs> James, no, please. No, it was like that. Yeah. yeah, it was much more out of like, I, you, you I saw knew I all needed the to leave. positive things I was, that I was going to be. Yeah, like I knew I wanted to leave and I was so sick of Rich was putting mine. in lots of extra hours and without any appreciation, basically. Mm. Yeah, and sick of doing it with someone else. Like I saw James, I saw the impact that he could have with his own time. And like, that's how I was as an employee as well. And I was sick of doing it for someone else. Mm. And so hated my job and said, James, I've done some market analysis and market segmentation. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We've just taken out a mortgage. I think business owners are finding accountants on Instagram. This is Rachel's favorite story. Cause I said, I think that's a really bad idea. What client <laughs> would you want to find an accountant on Instagram? Instagram is where you like look at cats and things. 
insert stats on screen of Rachel's booming <laughs> online <laughs> presence and how many of those 750 clients have come through Rachel's Instagram? About 700. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Like 90%, per, 90% yeah, of the ones since we started basically That's come from what, Instagram. Rachel, you're much more mature than me because if I was in your relationship, <laughs> any sign of like argument, I'd be like, so do you remember that time you didn't believe in me and I built the business <laughs> yeah. up do to a million pounds? Do I have a 100% success rate of proving you wrong? <laughs> Rachel's there like, wow, you can make your own million pound business then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's talk a bit about working together. You are both partners in life and in business, which to some people may sound a dream, to some people may sound a nightmare. Maybe it depends on how you feel about your partner. Yep. <laughs> um, talk to me about the early days of working together, because now, you you know, having kind of interacted with you both, and I believe this, what, you're, what you say, like, because it shows you work so kind of harmoniously and you seem to kind of be a great team. Has it always been that way? It's been this way for a really long time, okay. but it didn't start like this. Okay. So I'd say the first three to four months, it took us a while to like find rhythm. Find our groove. And balance, yeah, it really did. So mm. when you're an employee and you don't know each other and there's no existing relationship, there's a formal process that you follow of like appraisals and giving like positive praise and con constructive feedback. Because <laughs> when you love each other, you're a bit like, that's rubbish, change that, do this. Mm. And it, it was really, really hard. And so for us, the like balance and alignment came from understanding where our skill set retrospectively lie and separating our roles with clarity and then coming together where there's overlap. So I head up all of new business, business development, marketing and strategy. James heads up the internal team, all of the finance, all of the compliance, all of the doing and client gains, James's client, client retention. What were some of the lessons you learned in those early days? What didn't work or was particularly difficult about working together as a team? I think working on the same jobs. So mm. when we first started, we thought, okay, we'll both do field work, we'll both do marketing. But because I had the practicing license, I would review Rachel's work. And like she said, because I'm reviewing, all I'm doing all day is saying, you need to prove, she, and by the time we got to the end of the day. I'm like, why do you hate me? She's not had any positivity <laughs> from me. She's been like beaten down all day. Yeah. And then he's yeah. like, what's for dinner? And you're like, oh, come yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. It sounds a lot like when people kind of work with like a typical business partner of like having, like, you know, people say like, oh, I just want to work with someone that's just like me. Yeah, no, you Actually, don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, that's the worst nightmare. Yeah. I guess as well, the one thing we haven't mentioned is that we met at work. So oh, we have always known each other in a working relationship. So I sometimes do feel like it took us a while to find, you know, North again. Because the power mm -hmm. dynamic and the, the roles, responsibilities, being a business owner is very different to having very different to having a job. But we've always known each other in a work capacity. Mm. Fell in love over spreadsheets mm. at work. I love that for you guys. How many spreadsheets have you got, like, in your personal life? Oh, boy. Do you love today? Well, we have different folders with different spreadsheets in for different Oh, so we things. literally have like all of the work drives, as in like access folders, and then we have our own. Wow. That has everything from like when we think we might like to start a family all the way through to wedding budgets, personal life budgets, organising my sister's hen do, everything. That's impressive. Yeah. You guys are, like sat on a holiday, like on your sun loungers, filling out spreadsheets. I literally do that. <laughs> I actually <laughs> believe that. James became a qualified mortgage broker on our honeymoon. Wow. And if that isn't wild. I don't know why it is. You guys know how to have fun. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the behind the scenes of some of the business growth because were you the first employee then, technically? Yep. Okay, great. So we went from one to two. You're now at 16. 
Yeah. One of the, I genuinely think from an external perspective, you know, seeing it in different businesses and having done bits of it myself, like building team is one of the biggest challenges to navigate. I don't think there's, I don't know anyone that's had like an easy path. There's, there's always kind of friction along the way. In the early days, building team, that must have had like quite an effect in terms of realizing, you know, when are we ready to pay a whole nother person's salary? Did that feel quite risky, that kind of early growth? It didn't, it didn't. Because at that point, I was making two, probably two, two and a half times what I was making when I was employed. Mm. So to split that with me and Rachel and then split it again, we still weren't losing out. Right. But that was that was the value I actually had in the industry. I wasn't aware I had being in employment. And so we were able to take on a trainee who after four, five, six months was then able to generate their salary two, three times over. And that's why I feel like we both trained at a very high, like a top 75 firm. We were both trained to a really high technical standard. We both had explicit oversight into our hourly rates, how to price with confidence. Like pricing was never something that we were afraid of because we learned how to do it at a really high standard with a firm who had a hundred years of history. Yeah. And that's, we knew we were trained at that level. And so we weren't dealing with like really small profit margins from day one, we knew if that's your salary, I need you to generate three times your salary. A third of it's to cover your salary, a third of it's to cover the overheads, and a third of it's to cover our profit. Like, there is not a number in the business that isn't targeted or budgeted. It's a machine, and we've scaled it that rapidly by franchising the inside and then applying very strict financial models on the mm. outside whilst prioritising people's well-being. Yeah. So we're a fantastic place to work. We're in the top 30 employers of the UK. We're up against people like Aston Martin and Johnson's. We're in the top 30 SME employers in the UK and it's really important to talk about the fact that you can scale rapidly we can make money and mm. have a really happy team I think it's a great point to make because depending on kind of your upbringing I know this is something that we've kind of bond is bonding the right word I feel like it's like negative bonding but there we go trauma bonding yeah. to each other <laughs> bonding over our childhoods you know bonding over kind of our like relationships with money and both having if you don't mind me saying kind of quite similar associations with like a lot of money equals bad like people with lots of money are not good people if I have lots of money that means I'm a bad person you know there's a lot more layers to that I'm simplifying it there um, but I love that point and you guys be an example of like you can have a you know million plus pound turnover business and be good people and treat people well has that been there been any challenges that have come with kind of holding those values and goals at equal measure because it's very easy to pursue the goals and and leave the values behind, right? Yeah, the values are really important to us because it helps us attract the right people. Mm. But at the same time, it also attracts the wrong people that want to take advantage. And so we've had to learn very quickly how to recruit the right people that have the same cultures and values as us. And that's yeah. something that when we came from employment, you never really had to do. You just interview someone. If they had the technical ability to do it, then you bring them on. But actually, when you're running a small business, your core employees need to have all the same values as you, because if, if not, then they're not going to be driving the growth. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, if anybody's listening to this and they feel like taking on a team and like scaling a business and you want clarity over your long-term goals, I wholeheartedly recommend a book called Traction. So Traction is for businesses that already have traction uh, and it, it helps you take it to the next level so traction is a book as far as i'm concerned that i could read cover to cover flip upside down start again because for every single phase of your business it's different it helps you to build a north star core values what do you need to do to get there that's a big problem can you break it down into smaller problems mm -hmm. can you do one thing every single month week and day to get one step closer to that long-term north star so the book's called traction 
get a grip of your business by a man called Gino Wickman. It's incredible. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's incredible. And so for us, that was really, really clear from day one. We both felt really passionately about the benefits package that we want to offer. So we literally have an employee waiting list of 172 people waiting to join our firm because of the benefits package that we have. Mm. We pay 10% above the market rate for any role. They get personal development. We go on an all-inclusive holiday every year. They get private medical, gym memberships, all of the fun stuff. But one of the biggest HR difficulties has been as much as that attracts the right people, it can also attract the wrong ones. Mm. What would you say have been some of the kind of biggest unexpected challenges that come with building a team because it's it's probably safe to say you <laughs> just guys... people <laughs> where do we begin how long do we have because <laughs> i think it's worth like you know a team is kind of the secret not so secret source to like scaling a business to your level you, you guys probably couldn't i was going to say probably i'd imagine you couldn't have scaled to this level without <laughs> any team but so they're kind of essential but also as you said they're people and people are challenging and unexpected. What's that look like behind the scenes to go from two to 16? The biggest thing for us was bringing in a management layer. So before when it was just myself training the team or Rachel training the team, everybody was learning from us. So they had the same values as us. Mm. But then as soon as we brought in managers, the way that manager behaved and, and their personal life and their interactions was then training the, the juniors. And so we made the mistake of hiring based on technical ability, quality, like turnaround time, but not on values at all because at that point we didn't we didn't have core values then did we? Core values existed. Just in we our head. Named but, them. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that's something that we're we're still currently working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually now completely flipped it like for management we now recruit based on core value not technical skill and like actually we've always always wanted to promote managers internally because we've grown our own but the business scaled so rapidly we had to recruit management in and we did that based on technical skill not soft skill bedside manner and culture i'd say if someone's about to hire someone for the first time this might not be what you want to hear but i wish it's what we knew at, at the beginning you think hiring will make your life easier and your life gets harder to begin with. And we've said before, I think, especially within our industry as a service-based business, unless you want to scale past four or five employees plus, you could probably make a similar profit on your own. Do you think sometimes people hire employees from a place of kind of, oh, it's just the next thing to do? Like, I'm at full capacity, it's time to hire. I think a lot of people rely on freelancers as well, very heavily. It's something that, I think because we've always known this is where we're going, we knew we always wanted employees. And it is quite rare to find freelance accountants. So in our industry, employing and being an employer is is the way to go. It's the done thing. So many other industries, people avoid hiring for so long and choose to work with freelancers over anyone else because they actually don't want a lot of the responsibility. So we've built this like um, decision tree to help people work out, should I be using a freelancer or should I be hiring? because short term very often freelancers is a really great way to go Mm. but actually long term you're not their priority you don't have the commitment they can turn around and say no (laughs) and Mm. so actually like yeah we've got this really great decision tree that actually helps people to understand and actually fundamentally freelancers are more expensive because they have to account for their own taxes and yeah it's kind of two different relationships isn't it yeah and i don't say that to deter anyone but it gets harder before it gets better but i I almost wish someone had sat me down and said like it's more the cost of replacing an employee i think training them okay fine hiring them fine but for us we worked out it was over twenty thousand pounds every time we had to replace someone and it's those sort of numbers you don't you don't realise until you actually sit down and think of it. So if our staff are generating whatever it is, five to ten thousand pounds a month, they're not working for a couple of months because we haven't got someone in the role, we lose that. There's the time 
so when we take on a staff member, it takes them three to six months to get up to speed. So they'll be billing half, they could bill half, three quarters, what everyone else with billings, we're losing that. And then it's the time where everyone else invested in them we lose as well. Plus some people we spend on recruitment costs. So it's those sort of costs when you're a tiny business that you don't think about when you go, oh, I'm going to get a new employee. But actually if that employee doesn't work out, you've got all this work for that person and then all of a sudden you have to replace them. Yeah. It, it's those things. Something that I find interesting about how kind of you guys have grown your team and especially I've seen this with you that this year Rach is the idea of you kind of replacing yourselves with employees and kind of basically just constantly going right I'm at a bottleneck now's the time I need to give more of this away and kind of almost continue like upgrading your role what does that look like behind the scenes and how do you kind of keep that as a, as a for people that are thinking yeah I want to hire someone that can do what I do so I can step more into the other stuff how do you do that I'd say as well like as somebody who does a lot of high level consultancy work. The difference between having a business and having just a really well-paid self-employed job is can you remove yourself from the business and still make money? Stage two is can you remove yourself from the business and turn your phone off and still make money? Stage three is can you remove yourself from the business, turn your phone off and still grow? And we're now at point three. And so it could be that you might have had times, you probably have had times in your business where you think I'm a, I do marketing and strategy, but actually I've just built a job for myself and if I remove myself it doesn't exist and so we've been on a constant journey of we're newlyweds in our second year of marriage with a young business we started and scaled a business we now want to start and scale a family what does that look like are you going to start saying hi we're the Harrises I'm rapidly scaling yeah. family. family our children have appraisals every year <laughs> yeah. they're going to be updates. doing their um, life audits yeah. and yeah. Core make values. some spreadsheets I can't, these kids are going to have they're going to get core value like you know you can get the plaques like on the stairs as you go down I'm going to make them slap Yeah, like in offices the where they like paint the core values on the walls. That'll be on their bedroom. Like, <laughs> yeah. Be the best you can be. <laughs> I love um, it. But yeah, like, so, and that's a really important thing to talk about, especially for me as a young woman. Like, I'm self-employed. We're scaling really rapidly. We've always known that we really, really wanted a family. We knew we had to scale the business past a certain point to get to the position where we have a choice. Like, for me, ultimate measure of success is having choices. Being a parent looks like this or being a parent looks like this. It's when I get there, I want to have a choice. Both fundamentally agree on that. And so that's the difference between having a business, having an enterprise and having a job is can you remove yourself and still make money? Oh, I feel like some people are going to feel majorly called out by that, <laughs> but in a very gentle and needed way. I, I can share with you from personal experience. I saw a really similar quote to that. It must have been about three, four months ago now. I think it was in my month off in 2023 and it said like if exactly on what you said there like if you are running a business that requires you to work a nine to five every single day for it to make money congratulations you've got yourself a well-paying job that you can control but you do not run a business and I read that and felt so called out and you know when like you're angry but you're angry because something's correct yeah yeah and it took me a few days of like mourning to come back to it and be like oh there was something in that that was really true for me yeah so, you almost go like hang on a second I'm doing the same as what I did before plus other things yeah plus <laughs> accounting bookkeeping yeah. hiring yeah. like you're you've built a nine-to-five but what are you doing from five to seven like actually you're doing all of the stuff that actually was a massive perk of perk of employment yeah practically for you guys like what have you done or are you looking to do to kind of continue making sure that you are running a business that benefits you not just kind of getting yourself stuck what does that look like practically or how have you done that in the past like i know you had like a month off for like wedding and honeymoon or is your planning to have kids like how do you navigate it's a it? massive inconvenience to james having a, <laughs> having a wedding You're like oh i've got to stop working what does that look like but that was two years in i feel like that was actually a really good point i'm not sure we ever would have taken a holiday if we didn't get married we really and I, I don't mean this in a in a toxic way but like we had to force ourselves to go on a honeymoon and we went for three weeks and it was hard to get to the point where we were like 
cool turn my email notifications off so the quality of life audit is huge sort of being financially driven but also like we've we've now got to the point where we are having to do like we do personal development sessions with the team we know how to do them with each other so like do you go through your diary every single friday and like red amber green what felt good what's work that you wanted to be doing so green is i love this and i am the only person and I, you have to push yourself only person that can deliver that service amber is i don't really like doing it and with a bit of training somebody else could do it and red is why the bloody hell are you doing that is it controlled do you not want to let go is it because you like to be involved in it but you don't need to be mm. and so red is get that out of your diary as fast as possible amber is give someone a little bit of training and then take it off them and green is fundamentally if you love this and you are the only person that can do it keep doing it and do more of that because that's where that's the win out the ultimate point of being self-employed we've got a team to take away the stuff mm. that shouldn't be us and we get to do that stuff too and so like constant audits of time emotion every single month after a board meeting we ask ourselves is it worth it and we've never said no do you ever have moments where you're like i'm gonna say no at the end of this (laughs) just you wait and then you get to the end and you're like oh fair enough i'll say yes (laughs) yes literally yes feels like you guys are like in a bit of a season right now of kind of looking at not just the business growth but almost focusing a bit more on kind of how that benefits you and kind of like your personal gain from the business as well is there like a moment that triggered you to start prioritizing that more or has that been kind of brewing for a while? Yeah, we'd love, a, we'd love a family. Yeah. Absolutely love a family. But that's one of the hardest things. We've, been, we've actually been putting off, haven't we, realistically? Yeah, we've been putting off for the last couple of years because, and I know that everybody says that you never find the right time, but it felt like if we were going to have children a couple of years ago, then it wouldn't be fair on them because mm-hmm. we'd both just be working late all the time. We're also like massive perfectionists. And as much as people say there's never a right time, <laughs> like... We are both 110% people. We want to be 110% parents. And again, like when you want choices, when you want, okay, what does it look like? Is that shared parental leave? Is that we have someone to help us so that we can both come back to work a bit? Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Actually, money is the resource that will give us those choices. And so we had to put our life on, our personal life on hold. Like if we weren't self-employed, we'd probably have a three-year-old. But we would have got married sooner. We were engaged for five years just because we couldn't be asked to plan a wedding. So we eloped after five years. Um, Like, yeah, if, if we weren't, if we were employed, we'd be married with children. Do you feel like there was a certain amount of like sacrificing for a certain period that was actually quite essential to the business getting to where it is now? Yeah, different stages, I think. Definitely when we first started and I, I felt we're not, because when I was contract, I was always doing three different jobs. That was quite a hard period for me. Uh, and then just before we got our two managers, that was again a difficult period because both our teams had gotten so big, they both needed managing and my time couldn't do both. And now I think... Probably for you about six months ago, I think, before Annabella started, maybe. Do you ever have moments where you're like, I'm going to run with this for the rest of my life? In June of 2023, it was my husband's first birthday since we got married. So it was his first birthday as my husband. And I moon-picked his birthday card the day before his birthday. And that was the lowest point. Shame on you. No, literally like that. Shame, <laughs> she feels really bad about it. I wasn't even bothered at the time. I was like, oh, no. okay, fine. It literally, it was like the lowest point I've ever had in the whole business because always operated on the basis of if we put our marriage and our relationship first, everything else will come second. Mm. And I literally was like moon-pigging a birthday card and had organised nothing. And it, like, that literally was the lowest point I've ever had in the business. And I literally thought, like, everything's backwards. I am being so sucked of time mm. in all of the wrong places. In all of, like, my diary would be red. It's just stuff I'm getting pulled into HR like I'm the HR department I'm the recruitment department and so we stopped and invested and hired Rachel 2.0 she's a business development manager she's taken two and a half days a week of prospective client calls out of my diary Mm. she does a lot of uh, content planning and scripting and a lot of the technical writing and then she also does a lot of consultancy work as well which has given me the headspace back 
that's required to be creative enough to have a six-figure personal brand mm. to be an award-winning personality in our industry like yeah. that's what was missing it was the creative stuff that I'd always loved was just a task on my list mm. I had to get done as fast as possible but I, I genuinely mean it like I sat Moonpig in his car thinking I'm never ever ever gonna let myself get to this point again and I was sobbing James wasn't bothered James was like can I play Xbox with my friend really nice card <laughs> thanks you're like yeah. it's personalised yeah literally <laughs> Moonpig's great, great. I, I, I think James was like are you having a breakdown I honestly was sobbing the reason it upset me so much is because it crept up on me I didn't realise it had happened gifts and gift giving and showing people that I love them is my love language how have I got to this point it's interesting you share that really kind of practical example though because I think it's so often that isn't it like you don't see this thing you know changes in a business when you're in it every day are so slow and marginal and then there's that moment, whether it's, you know, you're on a family holiday and you can't get away from your laptop or you haven't got the headspace to, to get the card and the presents in advance, whatever it might be. There's that moment that makes you go, oh, crap, I've got this wrong. And that you're almost like contradicting yourself. Like we have always been, I at work, I am the good vibes. I am the well-being department. And I was just giving yeah. to everybody. I wasn't well and I'm the well-being department. Mm -hmm. And I would stand in front of a burning house and be like, it's fine yeah. how are you and i think i've just done that for too long like i am an accountant who's been thrown into running a team of 16 people trying to play tug of war with like balancing a marriage and being business owners together which we love and gives us so much but it's also hard like it is really hard and yeah. you want to make you have to protect your marriage from being a board meeting like you can't run them both in the same way and so i was upset but i was also so angry at myself for feeling like a hypocrite hypocrite because i come onto podcasts and tell people about financial well-being and putting themselves first and mm. how have i got to this point and this that's the first time i've ever told anyone that's not james that because i was just so embarrassed yeah well, i appreciate your honesty genuinely as much as we're laughing like it's a moon pig card <laughs> like i can completely understand kind of what that represents for you and i think the biggest thing that i take from that is the idea of kind of intentional sacrifice of like it's a non-negotiable right to business that there there's going to be trade-offs you have to go through seasons of putting in the work and going through the challenges but I guess the biggest thing for you from that was realizing actually this isn't a sacrifice that I want to choose either whether because you wouldn't want to be doing that ever or just as you said then maybe it was just kind of going on for too long and I think what you guys talked about in last week's episode around kind of that life audit and asking yourself those questions I think really links to that of actually just asking like, how is this feeling? Something on that note that I think you shared this with me when we met a few months ago, Rachel, that I really loved, was you told me that you have a number. You have a number, which is basically, and you can correct this definition or add to it, like unless the business is paying me this because of the amount of hard work and chaos that it you know brings into my life it is not going to be worth it can you tell people a bit more about that because i think i've never heard someone talk about it like that before have you heard of 10 million pound rachel oh yeah when i first before. met rachel she was like hi nice to meet you alice um i'm gonna do make, you want to see my vision board do you want to hear about 10 million pound me i was like absolutely lovely to meet you rachel and that's the thing as well like, i think that sort of moon pig moment was this is not what's going to get me there what's going to get me there is prioritizing myself making sure i have a therapist making sure I have time in my diary for doing things that I love, yeah. making sure I have clarity on who I am outside of work, because whilst I've found myself through work, that's not just everything that I am. Mm. And having that North Star of like, this is the direction that I'm going in. This is where I am now, where I want to be. Yeah. And this behavior will not get me there. Was a, That was a really big 
part of that. So yes, I have a number. Um, <laughs> I have a number which is not, and we both do it's the same number. I have a number that if our income dropped below that level, it wouldn't be worth it anymore. And that's not a salary that I have to take every month, but in a year, that's how much I need to take as compensation for how stressful it is to run a business of this size, of that value, as well as Strivex, which is a million pounds, Accountant She, which is my personal brand, makes six figures on her own. That's huge. And as compensation for what we have to do as business owners. If my, gen genuinely, if my income dropped below a certain level. You go and get a job. I'd stop. Oh gosh, I'd, oh, I would get a job that's very low mental load. Um, I'd probably hate it and come back after two months, but yeah, I have a number. Because we never ask ourselves the question like, do I even want to do this? And I sometimes chat with clients, often it's on inquiry calls because I end up telling them, I don't think you, you need my help. I think there's something else going on here. But it's even just so often people talk about like, you know, my business is feeling really stressful or it's not making me the money I want or it's having this impact. And to ask them the question of like, would you want to stop? And it's almost like they've, <sighs> they've not even processed that that could be a question that they But if ask. you had a job, that was stressful, wasn't serving you, was impacting your personal life, and wasn't paying you enough, your mates would be like, get a new job, get your CV up today, <laughs> get out there. But for some reason, we have our pride and our self-worth attached to being a business owner. What changes are you making at the moment or looking to make, James, to make your workload and, and life feel better for you? Oh, have you I've got just, a moon pig card example? I've just, yeah, we've just gone through a bit of a change where I've got an executive assistant now. My problem is that because I started the business, I essentially can help with any question that there is so if a manager's busy or if i'm just in a room with someone that has a quick question rather than them researching it or, or speaking to the right person i'll go james can you just help me with this i'll be like yeah or like, if someone's not available i might answer the phone and what i end up doing is i pick up all this work that i shouldn't be doing making my job more stressful than it needs to be so i'm i'm trying to learn to say no at the minute so we've just I've just got an executive assistant now, so she is actually managing my inbox, which is a huge deal for me because what's that's doing lots of different things. One, it's stopping people from asking questions that shouldn't be because she's kicking back and saying, please speak to this person or that person. And rather than me just sitting, starting the day and going, okay, well, I'll just clear these emails and at the end of the day, I'll finish my emails and I've got some more. She's just putting those in my diary, the things I have to do. And then the rest of the day, I can use for productive time to actually do tasks that generate money. Um, so that was a big change that we made. Yeah, so much easier said than done, isn't it? Saying no and delegating, because it's such a kind of behaviour pattern of like, yeah, I can do that, that's fine. And actually sometimes it's it's worse because you're taking it away from somebody rather than training them to do it themselves. Mm. So it's, it's not helping them or, or you. Yeah, that's so true. But even that, like James, owns a business that's worth a million pounds and he doesn't check his inbox. I'm gonna email you now and just see who yes. <laughs> I, I literally email him in the mornings. I say, good morning, my wonderful husband slash hi, Agnesa, <laughs> which is her name. Um, because I'm emailing him, but I know that she's picking it up. I know you share them as YouTube videos, but I'd really love like a Big Brother style uh, documentary of you guys at home, please. Cause it sounds very wholesome. How you work together, how you communicate. I mean, it sounds like you've come a long way since those early days where he was just telling you what you were doing was wrong all day. I feel like you guys have got a great little vibe going on. 100%. And I, I do, I feel very early on, we knew that the business and the relationship wouldn't survive unless we put the marriage first. And that's always our vibe check. That's what made James get an executive assistant was, I need you, not you on your phone or stressed you or, you know, snappy you or me like I need you to be my husband because if I don't have a husband then this is just lonelier than 
it is apart from that and so like both of yeah. those decisions whether it was me hiring i've now got four full-time roles which support my role james has got a full-time exec assistant with a whole team of billable billable people like those hires were completely unplanned hires but probably the most necessary we've ever recruited for the hardest thing is realizing it doesn't have to be you when you start a business you think i have to do this i have to do it rachel used to think i have to do all the prospect calls because i'm the only business people are coming to see me because it's accountancy but now she has a full-time person that actually spends more time doing it than what rachel used to do it i i used to think i have to go for my own inbox but actually i don't it's just just a means for somebody to get an answer to a question yeah you know why, why does it have to and taking you from that point of like how can i do the most to how can i create the most impact we now both have very high impact roles so we were talking earlier about strivex wrapped which is this quarterly session where we get the whole team together we do a bit of a roast (laughs) take the piss out of ourselves and just bring the team together like that is very high impact that's every single member of staff constantly vibe checking on core values long-term mission business Mm -hmm. plans business strategy what you can expect to see in the next three months what's coming up on social media we're about to start doing a hackathon every three months like just really exciting things that are coming up so that you don't just find out about it via email yeah our roles have gone from how can we do the most to how can we have the most impact Mm. and that's changed things a lot for us yeah that's really powerful to kind of round us off i'll I'll have one question for each of you individually we'll start with you james this can be one of those questions where it's like i'm asking you for the secret and you you could probably give me a 10 minute answer but Pick on whatever kind of comes to mind. Um, Yeah, summarise first, that'd be great. You both, as a team, and with obviously the rest of your team, built a a million pound plus business. For people that are listening, going, how is it done? If you had to pinpoint like one of the things you feel that you've both done very well, or thing that you've learned quickly and implemented to kind of scale to that level in quite a short amount of time, what would you credit that to? I would say it's two things. And as someone that's an accountant and loves numbers and following processes, it's is marketing nothing to do with how we do the job it doesn't matter if we do an incredible job or a terrible job we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have all the clients Mm. and so from the man who didn't want instagram (laughs) i was just sat there watching rachel's face she's just (laughs) sat there like (laughs) oh my moment (laughs) finally so that's been worth it that's the first thing to grow quickly is and to find somebody that embodies the brand that we spent loads of money looking at all different sources of marketing and the best one was Rachel because it's her business. And so she put everything into it and then I put everything into making sure the clients had a good service and that those two things I think are key because then profit will just happen because you're getting all the clients coming in and and if you get the wrong clients, you can replace them for new clients. And so the marketing basically solves all of the problems because we have what we call a red flag. So if we have a bad client team, flag them and we get rid of them and we, we get a decent client to, to replace them and, and things like that just make a huge difference whereas if we didn't have the marketing coming in we stuck with these poor clients that might not pay their fees in time might not give their records they make the jobs really hard so actually having this this good funnel uh, is a huge huge deal love that great marketing great client experience i think that's great um final question for you rach if you could go back to the two of you when you were maybe you know maybe it was a couple of years ago or at some point over the last few years as things were kind of growing so rapidly i mean it is still growing rapidly so who knows i feel like you guys could come on in a year's time and you'll be like yeah 10 million and 40 employees that's us now i'm not even going to ask you guys what's next because i just know <laughs> that whatever i ask you'll you'll majorly surpass it um for anyone listening that resonates with being in that very kind of fast-paced growth perhaps making some of those sacrifices that they're not you know hugely comfortable with what do you wish your past self heard dining room table 
Rachel and James, I would say rapidly scaling a business means rapidly scaling yourself. Prioritize equipping yourself with those tools as much as like the business strategy tools. Oh, I love that. We ignore that, don't we? We think all about the practical change, but actually the like mindset, behavioral, like internal change is often not spoken about, but arguably the bigger piece. You guys have been great. I feel like I could ask you questions. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. As with the last episode, all of your links will be in the show notes. The resources that you've mentioned, Rach, will be down there as well. Highly recommend people come and see what you're both about. There is some content of James on the internet. There is a lot of content <laughs> of Rach on the internet. Um, and yeah, they can come on and check out what you do. And yeah, just so appreciate your honesty, your time. And um, I don't know why I'm gonna keep rambling. So I will finish the episode here. Oh, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you.